Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris and it's good to be back with you again today. All right, so I wanted to do some announcements and housekeeping kind of things before we get going with today's topic. I wanted to mention first the the film, Seven Preacher Problems and the Pre-Wrath Rapture, is doing really well, uh, hitting the, uh, the numbers I was hoping to hit in terms of views earlier than expected and still rising. I don't know where it's all going, but I hope it's going somewhere well. So please continue to share it. Uh, Seven Preacher Problems in the Pre-Wrath Rapture. You can also see it in different sections on the YouTube page. So if you just wanted to share the section about 2 Thessalonians 2 or something, you could do that. Or you just wanted to share the section about uh, church history or whatever. On the uh, advertisement side, uh, many of you know that what we were trying to do is uh, is use a lot of the uh, leftover budget to for Google AdWords. And that's been going really well. I've spent, I think, about... or right at uh, $500 for the first two weeks or so. And I still am kind of trying to fine tune it. I was spending some money early on with Google AdWords, just straight up Google searches. So not on YouTube. And I found that was not, it was expensive and it really wasn't getting that many views. But so I sort of shifted all the advertisement to placement ads and keyword ads within YouTube itself. And that's been much more uh, effective in terms of you know, per view, it's costing me a lot less and it seems to be really targeted. There's still a lot of bugs to work out with it, but I think I'm getting better at it. Couple other things I wanted to mention, I got uh, hacked recently. The, the server where all the ministry websites are got, got really badly hacked and uh, basically had to scrap everything, move everything uh, for what I could salvage over to a new server. Not a huge deal, took a little bit of time, but the point is, in doing that, I kind of get a chance to do an audit over everything, something I probably should do anyway. But uh, I I, I was really struck with the idea that this podcast, Bible Prophecy Talk, is like one of the most popular podcasts in the world about Bible prophecy, which just blows my mind. And it blows my mind even more knowing that it's kind of being done with one arm tied behind my back because half of the people that listen to this podcast are listening to it through the old Nowhere to Run feed, which is, for all intents and purposes, obsolete now. I don't see a situation where I start podcasting only Nowhere to Run podcast anymore. It's just it's just Bible prophecy talk from here on out. So if you are listening to this podcast on that, on that old feed, if you, if you would, consider either just deleting that feed and, and subscribing to this one, Bible Prophecy Talk with Chris White. It should be on all the platforms you're normally listening to this podcast. In doing so, obviously, we'll get the boost from new subscribers. But in addition, if you as you listen to the new podcast all on that one feed, it's going to make that rankings just even better. And hopefully, this podcast will start to rank on things besides just being about Bible prophecy. Maybe it'll even get into the Christian podcast list and that kind of thing. I'd probably not. But anyway, I, I do want to mention in terms of this podcast, and bear with me, these uh, these show notes and things, I don't normally do them at all. I, I'm thinking about three minutes now, uh, but I wanted to get them out of the way. I am hoping to change the format for a time on this podcast and start doing some more conversations with uh, Bible prophecy people that I- I'm interested in, not not the sort of standard kind of interviews. I really don't even like those kind of interviews anymore. I really want to just kind of have conversations with people that I respect in the Bible prophecy world and just see what we can do, see if we can figure anything useful out. Uh, not content for the sake of content, but really trying to find people that uh, we can have meaningful, uh, effective, 
uh, conversations about Bible prophecy. So I'm going to try that for a few weeks and see how it goes, and we'll see what the feedback is on that. All right, so I will wait here while you guys uh, subscribe to Bible Prophecy Talk as opposed to Nowhere to Run, and uh, we'll get started when you get back. Okay, so in this episode, I want to once again talk about Mark of the Beast related issues. In this case, uh, the vaccine theories that are going around. Um, I've talked about it in the past. I've sort of uh, leaned against it for reasons I'll probably re-explain here. But I also felt like I didn't really know enough about it to speak too authoritatively with regard to either the science or the specifics about what they are supposed to do, what people are afraid they might do, and how that relates to Bible prophecy. So I thought I would do some research about specifically the RNA vaccines, the, the Luciferase idea, hydrogel, also chips, are chips to do with any of this stuff, and, um, and then talk about that in relationship to the Mark of the Beast uh, and what the Bible says about the Mark of the Beast. First, a little bit of background is that I am personally very anti-vaccines. I've been anti-vax for as long as uh, I've been, quote unquote, awake. It's probably early 2000s. Uh, I remember having my friend and I actually started a website early on in a, a MySpace page uh, for our town. We were trying to just 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 convince people that uh, vaccines were bad and, you know, passing out uh Richard Blaylock, was it, uh, DVDs. Uh, we were serious about it, and I still am serious about it. It's, it's actually one of the things I can't think too much about. I can't be too involved in it anymore because it just it bothers me at such a core level, all the propaganda around it and, and just everything. I just It's something that I'm very passionate about, and I'm not going to get a, a vaccine just on liberty reasons. Obviously, it's not. I don't believe that they are safe. I certainly don't believe that a new vaccine that's never even been tested on a human being, uh, it's certainly any kind of large trial before. And what we do know about it is it's just terrible for the animals that they give it to. Anyway, we'll get into all that. So let's first just talk about the science of this, or at least what I know about the science of this, <laughs> which is uh, obviously not going to be perfect by any means. And this is mostly what they say the RNA vaccine, for example, is supposed to do and how it works. It's not necessarily how what it might do, but we'll talk about that as well. So an RNA vaccine that they're proposing, people like Gates and whatnot, are, are, are basically trying to say, we need this RNA vaccine. That's the one we need to do. They, they're really pushing a very specific type and even certain companies like Moderna to, to make this vaccine. And they've already ordered a lot of uh, the vaccine, which is crazy. But in any case, so these RNA vaccines are different. The ones that they're trying to push are different than regular vaccines that we sort of know and hate. Uh, these new vaccines are different because instead of, well, the old vaccine would use live viruses. They would culture live viruses like an egg material or various materials, uh, culture live viruses that have big steel vats of live cold virus or live some kind of virus and then they would typically not always but typically ir irradiate them or basically kill all those viruses so now all you've got is a big steel vat of dead whatever viruses and they basically would uh, uh the concept anyway was to inject those into people those dead viruses and then your body would sort of recognize the shape of of that virus. Basically, it does seem to be as simple as like 
it, re it recognizes the shape of that strain of virus. And when it builds antibodies for it, what it's essentially doing is, is building proteins that building sort of machines, I don't know, this is probably not right, but to, to block that shape from entering into your cell. So now it won't enter into your cell because you, it has learned that shape and has built a structure. It knows how to deal with that particular shape. So this new RNA vaccine is supposedly doing, getting to the same result, but in a different way. The benefit of an RNA vaccine is that you don't need to waste all the time and the money in culturing all those viruses. So all the viruses, all the eggs, all the steel vats, all the time and choosing the strain and all that stuff, it is, uh, well, I guess you still gotta choose a strain, but that step is out, which saves a ton of time in terms of manufacturing. So I think that's ostensibly one of the reasons they like this and uh, money, I'm guessing. So what it does is it has a little bit of RNA code. And RNA, if you've ever seen like how cells work, how cells make stuff, basically in your DNA, your DNA has information in it that, that tells various machines in your body how to construct different kinds of cells and different proteins and whatnot. So there's all this encoded information in your DNA that says, okay, build a white blood cell, build a, uh, you know, some other kind of mechanism that to interact with the white blood cell or antibodies or whatever. It's got all these things and basically goes to work and they build those things. Okay, I built you a white blood cell because you gave me this blueprint. The, the way it knows what to build and, and what and how to build it is RNA. RNA is sort of the, the, uh, the blueprint, if you will, for how to build a, a given machine within your body. So the idea here is that they somehow have figured out how to encode a, a particular little machine. In this case, what they have encoded in this little strand of RNA is basically just the, 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 the tip of the coronavirus, the thing that kind of injects into your cell. Uh, it's been sort of, it's kind of like a spike protein that really does kind of just get into your cell like a torpedo or something and that's all about the receptors and you've probably heard a lot about the various receptors that people have it's all about, but they're so they're not really even building the whole virus they're just building that little spike protein and then that's what the rna is coded to do and that rna then when injected into your body is supposed to then tell the cells to essentially create for them that little spike protein that's on the end of the coronavirus, which then will have your body produce antibodies for it. So now your body has produced the thing, uh, the little spike protein, that now it's going to, your body's also gonna produce the antibodies to recognize that shape as an enemy so it can't get you in the future. That's how it's supposed to work. They say that this RNA piece of code is not forever it only lasts a very short amount of time and is not then uh, taken up into your genome and reused or becomes a part of you in any way that's what they say i have heard that's the worry out there i don't know what their evidence for saying that that is a worry i'm assuming it can happen i don't see why it couldn't happen because i don't know anything about it uh, but the worry is of course if that becomes that little piece of rna 
somehow gets into your genome. That is to say, your body sort of takes it as its own. And now every time it produces uh, a cell, it's going to produce it with that spike protein or some various haywire stuff that can go wrong. And that's actually a lot of what, maybe not that in terms of it changing them forever or whatever, but the some some messing up the various mutations is what has happened in a lot of the animal studies. So they've done animal studies and they found a huge, huge amount, like 100% in most of the short-term studies and or the, the long-term studies and the short-term studies are something like 85 something percent of various really, really bad reactions. That's just sort of the ones that we know of. Certainly we don't know anything what's gonna happen in like five years down the road. But the primary thing that it does is causes cancers and various mutagenesis. So uh, cancer is essentially a form of, of mutagenesis, if I'm getting that word right. Basically, a mutation that, that just things are going wrong. You messed up the computer, and it's spitting out bad code, and that typically will result in cancer. So cancer is probably the, the chief thing that's going to go wrong with this. But because you're messing with a computer it can, and, and mutations, it can do all kinds of bad stuff. So I think that's where people, uh, are, their imaginations start to go a little bit, you know, thinking what it can do and all these other things. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the Bible prophecy section, because I think that after you kind of understand what the technology is supposed to do, and then you look at what you think it's going to do and ask yourself, why do you think it's going to do? And we'll get into that. So that's how I understand the RNA vaccine. Let's talk about some of the other uh, scientific stuff associated with these vaccines. Sometimes quantum dot, I've talked about that before, and the luciferase is what keeps coming up as well. So what this is about is, and I'm trying to keep just, just to the science here, not necessarily trying to comment on it in terms of my views about it with regard to Bible prophecy yet. Luciferase and quantum dots or spike uh, microneedles, I think they call them. So what this is, is they want to give the vaccine in a way that everybody can just sort of give it to themselves. So it's kind of like a little band-aid that they're like a round band-aid that they're handing out to people is what the idea is. And on the, uh, the band-aid side of it, it's got basically about a hundred, the one that they had was a square form of 100 needles. And those 100 needles were made out of a sugar protein. So they're in, they, they're intended to dissolve in your skin and not to harm you. Uh, so you don't, you're, you, they, you are putting needles into a hundred micro needles into your arm or wherever, maybe right hand, maybe forehead. I don't know. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but, and then they dissolve. Now, what's on those needles, in addition to the vaccine, the RNA vaccine, is luciferase, which is, I believe, a trolling uh, name. I think that they know exactly what they're doing when they named it luciferase and how Christians would react to that. Um, but it is to mark you for that you have been vaccinated. It is sort of a bioluminescent material, i.e. Lucifer, light bringer. Uh, it's, it's a luminescent material that is not seen with the naked eye, but apparently even with a cell phone without an attachment or whatever, I don't know exactly how that works, but they can say, oh, there it is, you have been vac vaccinated. 
And quite frankly, that's one of the things that scares me the most, not the fact that it's called Luciferes, but the fact that they're so into this that they are going to make sure, oh, you got to make sure you've been vaccinated. Let me see the your hand or wherever, your wrist, I think is what they are going to do. Uh, the guy, on the video that I watched, he was demonstrating, he put it into his left wrist. Now, I would assume if they're going to be really hyper vigilant about this and they say, well, have you been vaccinated? Show me your papers, please. And that kind of stuff. They're going to, it's going to be a standardized place. And I bet you any amount of money, they're going to put it in the right wrist. I don't think they're going to put it in the hand. That doesn't make sense, but they will put it in that sort of meat uh, on the top of your wrist or the bottom of your wrist, I think is what they're going to do. Maybe right, maybe left wrist, but it will be uniform because it will be like, you know, everybody put your wrist out. It's going to have to be uniform. It's like, it's not going to be like, where did you get vaccinated? Oh, I got vaccinated in my upper arm. Oh, take your shirt off or I got, you know, whatever. They're not going to do that kind of stuff. It's going to be somewhere you can present it to the authorities. And as I said, that's the thing that really scares me the most about this, because that speaks of a very dark 1984 future uh, that I'm not going to really like. So we'll come back to Luciferase, but that's what that is. And sometimes that's referred to as a quantum dot. Hydrogel is something I heard about with regard to, um, uh, I watched like a Mercola thing where this, uh, I don't know if she's a doctor or a nurse or something, but she she seemed like she was, uh, she had like a Christian necklace on. So she when she got to Luciferase, it was like, you know, here it is. You know, you could, she didn't say it was the mark of the beast, but basically she was saying it was the mark of the beast. When she got the hydrogel, I was a little concerned because she was like, hydrogel is this thing that's going to also be on those microneedles and it is going to uh, basically be this transmitter and going to be nanotechnology that's going to like read your mind and transmit all this stuff and whatever. And I don't know where she got that. Every, every time I try to look up some more about hydrogel being, I mean, it is nanotech in the sense that it's basically like, a clay, it's clay and water, but the clay particles are like such nanoscale clay particles that it has these interesting sort of malleable properties and stuff. Like it, it can be used in a lot of different medical applications, but it's mostly like pretty much like a gel, like to cover a wound. Uh, it can be used for all kinds of stuff, but I can find no evidence whatsoever that it's got like computer chips in it or, or can send wireless signals or anything like that. Uh, it's certainly not hydrogel by itself. I mean, hydrogel might be used in some other technology that can do that uh, because it does seem to be very versatile. But hydrogel, uh, I think that's one place where that particular Mercola article really dropped the ball because I can find nothing to suggest that hydrogel in and of itself is doing uh, much of anything, or that it's even a part of this vaccine. And I'm sure it is. And I, my suspicion is that the hydrogel was probably an original uh, part of the quantum dot situation because it looks like it went through multiple generations. They started off with like actual needles. They went to like stainless steel uh, and tried different kind of polymers and stuff like that and eventually settled on the sugar protein thing where it could actually dissolve within your skin. So my guess is she was talking about an early version where hydrogel was a part of the needles or somehow was going to be, I don't know, that's my guess. And again, I could be wrong in all this. This is like a day and a half of research, so it's not exactly authoritative to any major degree. I want to circle back to the chip thing because I, I said in a previous podcast about the idea of a, a chip, particularly an RFID chip being put in a vaccine, is something that a lot of Christians just believe on faith for some reason, but is not in any kind of any of this. I mean, there's no chips 
being injected to anybody, even being proposed, that I, that I can see. The closest thing I could find was there is a proposed coronavirus vaccine candidate. I, I don't remember which company or whatever, but it, it seems to be more of a traditional vaccine in that there is a syringe and you inject it into somebody's arm or whatnot. And in that case, there is an RFID chip with a serial number uh, on it that can be read, I guess, with a reader or whatever. But th in that case, it's on the outside of the syringe. And it is to, uh, according to them, uh, to prevent counterfeiting and, and various things like that. It is not being injected into anybody. It is just on the outside of the syringe. But I tell you what, I watched a C, uh, C what's the CNB, I, the one with Pat, Robertson or whatever, CNBC or whatever. No, it's not CNBC. You know what I mean? CBN. And I watched a thing on YouTube where the guy was trying to say that, that there was a RFID chip, but he didn't say on the outside of the thing. He's showing it in his hand. He's pointing it to it. It's obviously not in the syringe and going to be injected into anybody, but he doesn't make it clear at, at any point in that whole presentation. And I don't know how many comments were on that video, like 3,000 something comments. And all of them were like, oh my God, it's here. You know, this is, I told you everybody, this is, I'm not putting a chip. Only chip in my body is going to be Doritos and all that stuff. So the, uh, which is a pretty good line. It was the first comment. And so, so anyway, the people, either CNBC dropped the ball because they didn't actually clarify that with a question or the presenter dropped the ball because they didn't actually make clear what is clear from their writings and what he's pointing to in the thing. But so I don't really blame all the commenters for thinking that he's essentially saying, oh, no, there is a chip in the vaccine, but it's OK because it's just a serial number. And as opposed to there is no chip that we're injecting into anybody. There is a chip on the outside of the syringe that's not getting injected to anybody. But again, the comments just didn't even hear that or they couldn't hear it because it wasn't there. And I, I mentioned this to say to be careful, because if you when you go go try to find this out, because it doesn't exist on the Internet. So all you do find are either the Christian websites just demanding that there is a chip in all the vaccines and it's the mark of the beast. And then and much more prominently, you see the well-funded debunkings of that, which are making Christians look bad because of that obviously disprovable uh, uh, thing. I'm telling you, that's a part of this plan. One, I don't fully understand what the plan is yet, but I know that part of it is to demonize Christians. Uh, the world already believes that we're a big problem because of our rampant anti-intellectual. We're so stupid that we're going to cause problems or whatever. That's the sort of Joseph Stalin line, you know, that we're just so dumb and we're, we're going to cause problems. We can't possibly go into utopia and we can't, our, our children certainly aren't going to be safe because these dum-dums are still here and they don't, they think it's like the mark of the beast or something. There's not even, a, you know, they're going to be able to do that because of this particular, I don't know if it's a psyop or just an unfortunate thing. But I think that's that's different than the RNA vaccine. I think the RNA vaccine is something that we need to take seriously and talk about. The first aspect of this that I want to talk about is the concept of these RNA vaccines or, or whatever, your hypothetical chip vaccine, of any of those things changing you to where, I guess what, you can't worship God anymore or you must worship Satan or that's again I, I've said this over and over in this podcast as we've talked about the mark of the beast the Bible does not say you got to get this through your head the Bible doesn't say that the mark of the beast is going to make anybody do anything it's not the reason that people feel so obligated to have the mark of the beast change you 
or make you want to worship the devil or make you not want or unable to repent or whatever is because they don't like the idea that the Bible just simply says those that get the mark of the beast are the ones going to hell. All of the people that get the mark of the beast go to hell. And I think that people just don't like that. It doesn't jive with their sense of justice because they don't understand the concept of what the mark of the beast is in the first place. They believe that the mark of the beast is something you can get tricked into. If you don't know the right conspiracy theories, you could just be walking around the world doing, you know, living your life as, as normal and bam, someone comes behind you and gives you the mark of the beast. Now you're going to hell and you're like, oh darn it, I wish I wasn't going to hell now, I got tricked. No, the, the mark of the beast is something that the Bible seems to very clearly suggest is thing that people do eyes wide open because they love the beast, because they want to worship the Antichrist, and maybe more importantly, they want to not be associated with those that the Antichrist has declared war against, those that everybody in the world now hates, the enemy number one. Right after 9-11, it would be the, the terrorists, right? Nobody wanted to be associated with them. Well, that's going to be the Christians in the future. They're going to be hunted down and killed in the greatest persecution of all time in the midst of this wonderful utopia that's being set up. And hey, everything's good over here. You want to be a part of us or do you want to be a part of those guys? And there's going to be a great apostasy. A lot of people are going to say, nope, I don't want to be with them. I want to be with you. Give me that mark. And oh, by the way, give me some food. Therefore, there is no need biblically for the mark to change you. Yet in modern Christendom, we have demanded that the one thing that the mark must be is a thing that can change you. So we're already on the wrong track, I believe. But for the sake of argument, let's say that the mark of the beast must change you, that that is somehow biblical. Is any of this stuff changing you? That's the first question I want to ask. And I would say, of course, we don't know enough about RNA and stuff like that. I mean, we kind of do know, I mean, enough about RNA to say, okay, RNA tells these little machines to make a little thing like a protein that can do a little job or, or whatever in your body. But that, that functionality to me doesn't have anything to do with changing anything about your core being. I mean, it might change your core being genetically or whatever, but then that brings up this question. Does your belief that the mark of the beast is going to change you, change somebody fundamentally and make them not be able to worship God, does that jive with your theology about God? That God, because of a, a, a mutation in somebody's genome, is going to be like, ah, sorry, we only take the right kind of genome up here in heaven. Does that jive with your theology? And of course it doesn't. There's no genetic reason that God is going to, to abandon you. I'm just talking to here about the idea that number one, I don't see anything in these technologies that A, would, and what does that even look like? Change your, your soul or whatever? That, that's another thing. I mean, I can't believe that, that smart people are in this sort of land of speculation about technology that's so far beyond anything that we've ever conceived or even thought about thinking about conceiving. I mean, yes, I get it. Elon Musk is putting chips in pigs and there's rudimentary things that they can do or whatever. And certainly there's going to be, uh, you know, better versions of that and stuff. But if you honestly think that we know enough about the brain right now to download a human consciousness into the thing, I, I don't think you really get what they're trying to do. Yes, they want to do that. But at the moment, they're basically just putting electric, it's basically like Frankenstein stuff. Hey, this part of the brain has something to do with that because we know that because of MRIs. Hey, I got an idea. Let's put different, uh, different levels of electric shocks in that part of the brain and see what happens. Oh, if you shock it just this much, I mean, it's so, it's so not complicated. They know almost nothing about the brain to this day. And it is as simple as that. It's little electroshocks. 
Look, I, I'm just saying that we tend to believe with this vaccine stuff, when, when we want something to be real, we want this vaccine to change our brains and to make us all want to worship, uh, the, whatever, then we'll believe technology is somewhere that is just not. And yes, it could get there, but I'm actually skeptical that it ever will get there. That I think that the brain might be so complex that the concept of being able to download somebody's consciousness into a brain is so ridiculous that it's never going to happen. I think C.S. Lewis probably uh, had a pretty good envision of how it would actually happen with the uh, third book in the space trilogy, uh, that hideous strength in which the intellectuals at the college believed that they had done that, that they had somehow found a way to get a consciousness in a, in a head. But what it really was, was these macrobes, these demons that had been impersonating the guy or whatever. Anyway, uh, I don't want to get much into that tangent of saying that what Elon Musk is doing isn't, you know, isn't really as high tech as, as whatever, because I don't honestly know enough about that. But what I do want to sort of drive home is that the RNA vaccine stuff is not doing anything to your soul. And I don't know of any mechanism in which it can. And you'd have to give me some sort of evidence that messing with RNA makes somebody want to be in the occult or something like that. You know, I need something besides, oh, here's an RNA vaccine. It's definitely going to make you unacceptable to God if, if, it, if you mess with your RNA and you get cancer because you're because they, they screw that up. I think at the bottom line, this thing, as I said, I'm a super anti-vaxxer. Bill Gates is obviously one of these guys that came up through his father and all that stuff were really into eugenics. They really do want to kill off a huge amount of the population. And now they has this blank check. They, they have said, no, none of the companies are going to be liable for the damage that these vaccines do. And they are vaccines that have never been tested on human beings in any kind of trial before. It usually takes them five years to even beat for the dangerous crap vaccines that they put out to be put out. And we're here not even five months in and they're about, and they've already shipped doses and <laughs> a vaccine that's never been tested before. And what it has been tested in the short term has done incredible damage to the animals. And now we're starting to see the human trials are causing major neurological damage. They won't even tell us what kind of damage is happening to in, the, in these trials. And they're going to ship that out to everybody. Oh yeah. There's going to be death and cancer and, and Bill Gates as a eugenicist is going to love it. And so, yeah, I think it doesn't need to be a whole lot more complicated than that. It's nefarious for sure. But I think even more to the point, it is this there's two things I think that are happening in the real world with the vaccine things. It's control. It's also a big pharma thing. If you consent to everybody in the world having to get a vaccine, being mandated a vaccine, whether by police force or just sort of uh, you have to get it to fly, you have to get it to work, you know, sort of a soft force. No, it's not technically uh, legal that you have to do, illegal not to get it, but you basically have to get it. Even in whatever way they do it, once that door is open, it's going to be just like they did with the babies. Oh, now every baby has to get this vaccine. Well, now every human has to get this vaccine. Now every human has to get this vaccine. And then what they're doing to the babies, they're just going to do to the humans. They're just killing us off. They're just evil. They're just Satanists. It's just awful, awful stuff. But it doesn't have to be a lot more complicated than that. All right, let's move on to the quantum dot, the luciferase, okay? Because I think this is where we're all getting really hung up on, on this idea. So luciferase and the quantum dots. As I mentioned in the examples that I've seen, I've seen a lot of different versions of this, of the micro needles and their patterns and things like that. 
The most I have seen is in that video presentation where there was a, a square of 100 microneedles. So the luciferase in your, in your wrist or whatever, uh, the bioluminescent thing, would in that case be 100 dots. I've never seen it be anything more complicated than just dots. The complication really came in the different patterns. So for example, sometimes I, I saw it like in a dime, more diamond shape or, uh, you know, various sort of takes on the, 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 the shape of the micro needles. But that's all it was, was, was dots, whether I think as, as few as like six or seven dots to as much as, as I say, 100. Now, the question is, uh, is that the number of his name, the Antichrist, the beast name? Well, of course, now it's called Luciferes. So, I mean, obviously that's really close for comfort. I'm not, I'm going to tell you, no, it's not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it has to be number one calculated. That's an important part of the, of the mark of the beast number. It's, it's 666, i.e. the number after 665. It is, it is that number and it needs to be calculate, you need, calculated. You need to have wisdom and you need to count. It uses this word for count uh, to come up with that number. And it gives you a hint in that that number is also the number of the Antichrist's name. So unless the Antichrist, who is not Satan, okay, he's not Lucifer. The Antichrist is not Lucifer. He's not Satan. He, Satan is different. Satan is the dragon and he is the beast. But the theology is, and it's very clear in Revelation, is that they're not the same person. So the Antichrist, the beast, part of this trilogy, because that's sort of a false trilogy. You've got the, the false prophet, the Antichrist, and, and the beast. Um, the Antichrist will have his own name. So, and, and like I said, and they're going to put in that video, it put it in that guy's left wrist. Now, those things obviously are very close for comfort. If, as I said, I, I could, I'm almost going to guarantee they're going to put it in, in the right wrist and they need to, it needs to be uniform where they put it. And it's called luciferase. Okay. And it's a mark that they put on you. So this and all those things, and I, I could go through the mark of the beast uh, thing, and maybe I should really quick because we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. But my point is, that while I can prove to you that none of those things are what the Bible is talking about, it's also so obviously trolling Christians because it is so close, a mark on your right wrist instead of your right hand or forehead, but it's on your wrist and it's called Luciferes. It's not 666. It's not the number of his name. It's not on your right hand, but it's all just close, right? And so what we're going to be tempted to do, and I can't imagine, I know a ton about Bible prophecy and I'm still basically going to be like, eh, too close for comfort. Even if I wasn't an anti-vaxxer, I'd be like, nah, I'm going to pass on that. Right? So the people that don't know nearly as much about Bible prophecy don't know that it's actually the false prophet that forces everybody to get it. He does it in the context of forcing everybody to worship an image of the beast that he gives life to and gives them an ultimatum to either worship the image of the beast or to be killed. Uh, it is, you know, done in the context of a temple being rebuilt and a man sitting in that temple uh, declaring himself to be God. It is that de declaration of deity, the centrality of all uh, end times things uh, that is in the context in which people agree to get or to refuse the mark. And there's great persecution of Christians. And, you know, we could talk about it. And I know people say, 
well, okay, but this is the technology of the beast that the beast will use in the future. And I say, okay, we keep an eye on this stuff. But my point here is that this is trolling Christians. And we are uh, being goaded to believe this. I guess the reason I don't like it is because this is going to lead to the persecution of Christians. I mean, when, when this flips over to socialism and they're going to have to start killing dissidents uh, and it's going to be very coronavirus heavy in the new socialist reasoning for why they needed the socialist system and blah, blah, blah. So it's going to obviously revolve around this vaccine, which they're wanting to, to the, the new world order has been wanting to chip everybody for as long as the world's been around. And I think that, uh, you know, they're going to do that. And I guess if it was the end times, I would sort of be excited to to rail against it and say, you know, you know, I'm not going to get a chip. You know, the Bible says this and I'm not going to do it. And I think a lot of people are going to do that, but do that ignorantly. And I guess what I'm saying is that I would rather die for, as Jesus says, either for righteousness sake or for his testimony. One of I would like one of those two things to be the reason that they come for me. But looking at historically, it's never quite that clean. There's always, you know, other sort of reasons. But in this case, it just seems like, oh man, we're going to be in a situation where we're going to be hated and killed because of this stupid thing, because we're not going to take a vaccine that's not even the mark of the beast, but we're obviously being trolled to think it's the mark of the beast. And then here I'm stuck in a situation where I have to, in my Bible prophecy podcast, do the exact thing that nobody wants to hear, which is that this isn't Bible prophecy, but we're being trolled to think it's Bible prophecy. And that's the position I'm taking is not a popular position. And as my overall thesis is, and probably the reason that I'm anti this in the first place is because I think that the real end times is going to come off the back of a fake end times. And I'm incredibly worried that if that's true, that a lot of my well-meaning Christian brothers and sisters are going to fight this battle with all their heart, will have a fake uh, Mark of the Beast and a fake Antichrist to hate and a fake persecution to to lament, and then uh, a fake uh, Armageddon to wrap it all up. And that fake Armageddon will be the wars of Daniel 11, 40 through 45. And we will be presented with a man who comes on the scene as a victor, as a man who has delivered us from the evil socialist system and is claiming to reinstitute what seems like the messianic age. In fact, he's going to be able to point to the Bible and say, does it not say that the Messiah is supposed to do this, this, and this, and this. And uh, that's what the Bible says the Antichrist uh, is doing in my reading of it. Uh, nevertheless, I will leave it here for today and uh, remind everybody, if you haven't checked out the movie Seven Pre-Trib Problems and the Pre-Wrath Rapture, check it out. Check out the website, sevenpretribproblems.com. And on the Bible Prophecy podcast, if you're still listening to Nowhere to Run, go ahead and switch those feeds up and, and make sure you subscribe to Bible Prophecy Talk instead. All right. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next time.